what if you can never sing again? Is that what your identity is in? Is that what your hope is in? Because mm. if it is like, you're missing it, you're missing me. And so mm. he reminded me, like, I gave you this gift. This gift mm. is not your own. Everything that you have in your life is a gift. And it could be part of an integral part of what you do, but that's not who you are. Welcome back to One Thing in Common podcast. On today's episode, we have Brittany Loynaz. Brittany is currently a student at Southeastern University who's finishing her bachelor's in psychology. She lives in Miami, Florida and serves at Voo Church as a worship leader. She loves anything involving music, writing, going to new places, and spending time outdoors. Y'all, I'm so excited to bring on Brittany Loynaz. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you on, y'all. It me and Brady have not seen each other for like years. Literally, it's literally been yeah. I think maybe three, three years. It's been three years. It's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. We actually met, um, yeah, a few years back, and you were my VU crew leader. And I remember I was like looking through the website and I was like, she looks cool. And so I was like, I was like, she looks nice and approachable. I'm going to join that group. And it was in Hialeah. Y'all. Hialeah. Oh y'all. my God. <laughs> it literally was in Hialeah. If y'all know Miami is one thing, but Hialeah is just like another planet. Like Hialeah is like in Miami, but it's its own thing. And um, man, that was, a, that was a fun group. I it learned a lot. Fun. I think it was at El Palacio de los Jugos or something. Yep, yep. That's oh. exactly where I'm plugging that place. That place is fire. Okay. It was bomb. Juices, everything that they have is just 10 out of 10. So absolutely. And you know what's so funny? I remember I was never, I, I'm a coffee snob, obviously, but I was never introduced to like the little, like the legit cafecito shots, like the Cuban shots. Never? So at your group, that's what y'all would get. Y'all got like the big cup and then like give little shots. So in my yeah. head, this sounds so ridiculous, but I genuinely thought it was just like black coffee, just like plain black coffee. So I was like, all right, that's kind of weird that they're putting in like a little like shot coffee things, but okay, I'll have a few. <laughs> I think my first night I had like three or four and oh, I was geez. jittering like on my way home. And then like the next time we met up, I was telling um, everyone, I was like, guys, I had no idea that what I drank was actually like super caffeinated and not just a regular cup of black coffee. Yeah. yeah. And with a bunch of sugar and, and like, a bunch of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> literally, Like if you have four of those, like you're probably good for two days. Like you'll probably be up two days straight and just like this, like it's not normal coffee at all. It is not, but you know what? That kept me up. That conversation was good and it was just such a good time. So yeah, that's how we met. And we just obviously stayed in touch since then. Our lives have had many transitions since the time we met, you know, I moved to Australia and you just even will get to the topic of changing your studying majors and stuff like that. So, so much to cover. I am so excited. But one thing, Brittany, that we were on the phone the other day talking about was we both, I noticed once I started following on social media, I was like, oh, wow, she loves mental health as much as I do. And like, it's so funny because one like moment you'll post a video of you just like doing a funny rant, like obviously like joking about like traffic in Miami or whatever. And then the next one, like you're putting like a serious mental health, like thing up of Dr. Caroline Leaf. I was like, I love yeah. this girl. She's hilarious. And she also loves mental health. And 
you just combine those things um, so well. But I wanted to ask you, because I remember when we met, you weren't studying psychology and you were on a totally different path. I just found out I was going to move to Australia. So we were really like, again, in totally different seasons of our lives um, and things like that. So I wanted to ask you, Brittany, what made you want to get into the field of psychology? Yeah. So my whole life, I always wanted to be an artist, a, a singer, Um, so psychology was not even in the scope of anything close to something that I was considering or wanting to do. Um, but I think through music, I always kind of had like a passion to help people in some way. And I think music like was my outlet for that. Um, but I started going to church and when I started going to church, that whole story is funny. I don't know if we want to get into that now, but yeah, no, let's, let's get into it, girl. We We got time. Okay. So I first, like I said, like, I just like to sing. I didn't really go to church that much. I grew up Catholic, um, but it's kind of like we were one of those families that went like on Easter and then also like on Christmas and then we're like, yo, Christians, Easter and Christmas only. Literally. And we're like, we're Catholic, you know, like die hard, like, um, but I didn't really know what that meant. And I knew I kind of like had faith in God. I believed in God, but I didn't really have like a real relationship with God. And so, so I go to this summer program and I meet this guy named Peter and I was just like infatuated with Peter. I don't know why. I don't know what it was about him. I did a show. Um, I wasn't in the show. So I auditioned for the show. I didn't make it. And I was like heartbroken, distraught, you know, like this is my life stream. And I was like, waiting for someone to tell me, yes, you're great. You're good enough. And so anyway, so I auditioned for like one of the singing, this show in the summer program. And so Peter got in and I didn't. And so I was like, kind of watching. I was like, sad because I was like, man, I wish I could be up there. Yeah. Um, but I see this guy come out and he's like, okay, everyone, we're going to just like wave our flashlights on our phone. And I was like, okay, cool. I think I'm into this. Like this is interactive, you know, and like trying to learn things so I can make it next time. Yeah. <laughs> And so um, I was like, cool, whatever. So he sings, I think, like Shine a Light or something. Mm -hmm. It was for sure like a Christian song. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I like this. This is cool. Like, I like Peter. (laughs) I I didn't know why I liked Peter, but I just really like Peter left a mark in my life. Yo, shout out to Peter. If you're listening to this, shout out to Peter. I literally think that you're on my Instagram. Like, I think I still follow you and I never told you this. So this is my moment to tell you. Either way, I have to contact him to tell him. This is actually really funny. So I was like, Peter, oh my gosh, you're so awesome. I was like such a Peter fan. And so after, after the show, um, I was like, Peter, please, like my dream is to sing with you. Like we need to do a song together. And I was like, what songs do you sing? He was like, oh, well, I really like gospel. I was like, I love gospel. Okay. Mind you, I have never sang a gospel song in my life. I didn't even know what gospel really was. Yeah. I thought it was Hillsong. Yeah. So I had heard like one hill, like I heard oceans. Oceans. Okay. Yeah. That's the one. Literally. So I was like, okay, yeah, I know oceans. So like, I'm totally in the gospel world. Yeah. So he starts like playing whatever which mind you, I probably look like such a creep because I was like, Peter, like, you know, anyway. So I was like, yeah, I love gospel. So we go, we're like, he's like playing and singing. He's like, oh, you know, this song, apparently very famous gospel song. And I was like, no, no. I was like, I've never heard this song in my life. 
And like, if you've heard gospel music, it's not like regular music. Like it's like, it's really intricate. Like the chords, like uh, the harmonies and stuff. So he starts singing like all these notes. And I was like, Peter, I don't know where to follow you. Like, I don't know anything. Very embarrassing moment for me. Long story short, I end up going, do you know Hillsong? He goes, no. I was like, great. This isn't going to go well. But somehow we ended up recording a video together that I wish I still had, but I deleted it. And so from that moment, I was like, okay, Peter, what do you do? Like, how are you so good at singing? Like, how do you have this thing about you that like, I feel like I want, I don't really know fully what it is, but I want whatever you have. And he was like, uh, I don't know. I just sing at church. And I was like, oh, you sing at church. Like I have to start singing at church. Mm -hmm. So pretty much I was like following Peter's footsteps. I took notes. I was like, shine light in, (laughs) in performance. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, now I have to sing at church because I want to get as good as Peter. And I asked my other friends in Boston, I was like, what do you guys do? They're like, oh, we, we play at church and they were amazing musicians. And I was like, this is my next step. So I go and I audition for the worship team um, at Potential Church in Cooper City. If you're from Florida, maybe you've heard of the church because um, I had like a mutual friend there. And so I went singing like Amy Winehouse. I legit think I sang rehab. Gotta get me go to rehab, but I said, okay, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew Peter sang at church. Oh my god. And I needed to start singing at church. And I sing that song or Valerie, some song by Amy Winehouse. And they were like, okay, do you know like worship songs? I was like, in my head, like worship gospel, like kind of related. I was like, yeah, yeah, oceans. <laughs> All I really knew. Um, didn't even know the melody well enough to sing it though. I was like, no, I've just heard it. I don't really know it. Mm. So somehow literally by the grace of God, they're like, cool. Well, you sound good. So we'll take you in. But I didn't hear back from them for like months. Okay. Mm. Cause I didn't know what was going on. I was just, I was just like, oh, I'm here to sing, which is like probably the worst thing you can say in a worship leading audition. It's like mm. my heart's, where's my heart at? Like, what am I yeah. doing? Just like, yeah, I just, just want to sing. So anyway, Fast forward, I met a mutual friend that goes to that church. I started singing there. And honestly, through singing there and through leading worship, I had really amazing encounters with God that I had never, I'd I'd always loved music, but this was different. It wasn't like, sometimes you get goosebumps when you hear good songs. And sometimes you have really awesome moments in music because music is special. But there were just like tangible, it was like tangible the tangible presence of God that I felt. Yeah. And that is what drew me in to really like a, a real relationship with God, not just yeah. like, oh, I go to church sometimes here and there, but like, mm-hmm. wow, God, I actually feel you. I'm experiencing your presence in this yeah. moment. And so that flipped a switch for me. And when I encountered God in that way, I talked to my worship pastor there and I was like, you're a pastor. Like, I think I feel called to, to do more of this. Like, what, what is this? Mm-hmm. So he kind of like taught me through everything. Um, and before that time, I can honestly just say that I was really self centered. Mm-hmm. I just cared about doing music. Mm-hmm. I cared about making good music. Yeah. And that was my contribution. That was going to be it in the world. And mm-hmm. I was going to be an artist and like, there was nothing else for me. This is what I was good at. This is all I knew. In a lot of ways, before Jesus, music was like my savior in my life. Mm. It was like everything I ran to when I needed healing, when I needed to talk or it was everything, how I communicated. It was like 
it was really in, an integral part of my life. And so through that, I think God used that to connect to me because he knew it needed to be through that mm-hmm. and to have a, a really serious, like special encounter with him through that. Um, to say like, Hey, yes, I gave you this gift. That's good. Yeah. Like, this is from me. This is not, you know, you didn't just like wake up one day and randomly get this. And like, this is all that you have to offer. Like, no, like this came from me and now mm-hmm. it's time for you to start pursuing a relationship with me as much as you've been pursuing a career in music, you know? Wow. Yeah. And so my heart just did like a full, a full shift. Um, and through that process, and then I found Vu Church and then I said, okay, wow, this is going to be my home. Mm-hmm. I felt really called there. I felt like the moment I walked in, God was like, this is it. I had been looking for a home church. Um, and since that moment that I walked in, I've been planted there. Mm-hmm. And through the years, it's been like five years I've been, I've been serving through like crew, um, which is like small groups, how we met Yeah. Um, through, I love my cities, like serving the community, all that different mm-hmm. stuff. And also, yes, yeah, serving on the worship team, but so many things outside of that. Yeah, in my heart and developed my heart for people. Yeah. And really hearing people's stories and um, empathizing with people and wanting to help people. And I think part of me always wanted to help people with music, but it was a lot more about myself, like mm-hmm. just wanting to make a name for myself. Mm-hmm. And then that shifted. And I was like, oh, wow. Worship. Yes, I can use music to worship, but worship is so much bigger than that. Um, and so that kind of geared me into psychology mm-hmm. where I said, oh, I can, I can really make an impact in people's lives in this way. And Jesus can be a part of it because you yeah. can intertwine psychology with faith, with the Bible. And it was really through the application of those things in my own life and me experiencing so much freedom from those things in my own life that I said, I want to bring that to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how I long story, (laughs) I segued into psychology and kind of like how my path shifted. Oh my gosh. No, I love that, Brittany. Thank you so much for going into that because I think that's so important how, you know, I help lead the, the youth at my church. And so many times I hear them so confused about what they want to do when they grow up. And I'm like, listen, what you probably think you're going to do now is probably not what you're going to end up doing five years or even 10 years from now, you know, and some people are set on, on what they want to do. But many times, like for instance, me and you, we kind of wanted to do different things when we even met. Right. And that wasn't even that, that long ago. Right. And I think so many times it's in our own human experience that we go through something, um, that changes our heart, you know, and I had the same experience, not, um, like your story, but that feeling of a heart change of, you know, I, I want to help people. And I could say like, yeah, even years ago, I was very, um, just so much more about myself and, and making a name for me and how can Megan's name be so great. Right. But then being involved in a local church and serving and, and seeing the bigger picture of like, what is this life really about? Yeah. You know, and, and you get like a, a smack of humility, but you're like so thankful for it. Cause you're like, oh my gosh, I was so self-focused. And I feel like now in today's society, in this generation, there's so many people that are striving to make a name for themselves. They are striving to, to hustle and make it up the ladder and to see like, everybody look at my life. Cause I'm so great. And I do believe that people are great. You know, right. I'm a we are believers of people, but I think it can be very toxic 
and very draining. And we can end up becoming extremely insecure when it's only about us. Right. Absolutely. Yes. I, yeah. As soon as everything that you're saying, there are so many thoughts, but that <laughs> line, I thought throughout my life, the more I learned about myself and this is all in self-help and this mm-hmm. whole industry of, of self-help, which there are really good things about it. And there are yeah. really practical things you can take away. But I think I believed that I could save myself. So if I just learn more about myself And if I got to the root of all my insecurities and if I got to the root of all my problems and I knew my weaknesses so well that then I could solve it. But what happened was I start digging more and more into myself and getting more self-absorbed, more hyper aware of myself that it harmed me more than anything. Mm -hmm. It didn't bring healing to me. It, it brought this overwhelming sense of like, I am so damaged and broken and I have so many things to fix about myself. Mm-hmm. And so when I inserted Jesus into that, it was like, wow, there's hope. Like, it's not just me trying to like mend all my wounds together, me trying to accept myself or having other people. I was like lost, like just trying to like do anything that would like fix me or like fill my voids. And we still fight that. Like we still, we still have to fight self, um, not obsession, but like we still have to fight for humility. We still have to fight for preferring yeah. other people. Like that doesn't go away. Cause I think that's like the nature of sin is that we're always focusing on ourselves. Yeah. But I would say that before I didn't have awareness of that. I was just like so lost within myself and trying to fix everything and trying to put all the pieces together. And it really wasn't until I surrendered everything to Jesus and just said, I can't do this on my own. Like mm-hmm. I've been trying my whole life to fix myself. I've done every self-help book. I've done counseling. I've done it all. And like, I can't. And in that surrenders, when I found freedom and really healing, mm. which is why like, I'm such a proponent of psychology, but I think that psychology can be useless without Jesus. So I think both mm-hmm. of them together are like the perfect combination. Oh my gosh. I literally have goosebumps. You can't see because I'm a long sleeve. I have goosebumps all over my arms right now. Girl, you nailed it on that. Say it again for the people in the back. Rewind that if you need to. That was so good. And I think that's something that we, um, as we've had conversations, are both very passionate about the church, but we're also very passionate about mental health and psychology and counseling because we've done both. We, we do both. Right. And I think a mistake that a lot of people make, is like, Oh, well, if I'm in church, then I don't, I don't need the, the, the counseling and the help. Like I'm good. Mm-hmm. Or there's the other extreme where it's like, Oh, I'll have counseling. So I don't need Jesus. And it's like, mm, well, us as believers, we're like, Jesus is the number one. Jesus is healer. But right. then we also believe that, Hey, you might be in like prayer, like in your quiet space, in your room. And then God's like, yeah, baby, you got to go to counseling and not because something's wrong with you, but you just need help in areas that you don't understand yet. And that's okay. And I think that's where compassion for ourselves has to come in, you know, because for so long before I got into counseling, I had that stigma of, "Mm, yeah, well, like those people need it, but not me. Mm -hmm. Right. They need it because they've gone through some things, but I'm good. Right. And now I'm in it and I'm like, man, and now I'm also really involved in church. I could see how much where people can really be black and white, where I don't think it's this or that, but I think it's this and that, you know? And I think that's something I'm learning a lot in this season that God's opening my eyes to, to say, Meg, you don't just have to do that or that. I'm a God where you could do this and that. Mm 
right? Yeah. Like you, your passion for the church and your passion to sing a gift that you have, like girl, when I hear you sing, I'm like, let's go. I remember you were like in, in one of the videos or y'all released a song and, and you, and you were just like singing on a lot of it. And I was like, that's my girl. I was like, y'all, if you have not heard this girl sing, check out Boo Worship. She rocks. Um, seriously, you have such a gifting, but what's so cool, Brittany is like, I feel like a lot of people in your shoes could be like, oh, well, I have a gift of singing. So I'm just going to nail that and just only do that versus you're like, I have a gift of singing, but I also love people and I want to help them out too. So I'm going to do that too. And I think that's so awesome that you're not doing this or that, but you're doing this and that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think people, I did this to myself for a long time. We box ourselves in. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, a pastor can only be a pastor. Well, a singer can only be a singer. A psychologist can only be a psychologist counselor. And it's like this narrow view of who we are. And that's a whole, let me not even say who we are, but what we do, because that's a yeah. whole other thing. Cause yeah. what we do is not who we are, mm-hmm. but considering my first train of thought, cause I don't want to go down that. And yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, we can do a lot of things Yeah, because there's no cap. There's no, we only limit ourselves. Mm-hmm. So God, I think has put a multitude of gifts inside of us. And every season cultivates different parts of our personalities, different gifts, brings out different things in us. We meet different people. We see other people do things. And sometimes it gives us the courage to finally step out and do things on our own. And we're like, well, if they can do it, like I can too. And I have this dream, you know, I think a lot of fear stops us from these dreams that we have, but yeah, you don't have to only do one thing. You're not limited to just being this or that, or doing one thing the rest of your life. Like that can totally change. And yeah, kind of like going back to what I was saying before, like your identity isn't in that anyway. So if one day I wake up and I lose my voice, it's okay. Like Mm. one day I can't sing anymore. And this is something that God taught me because there was a season that I couldn't sing and that I was having problems with my vocal cords. And they said, you're going to have to get your tonsils removed, but that could change the way that your voice sounds but you're going to have to get them removed. So you have to do it. And the recovery process is like a year or something to sing. And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm praying for healing right now. Yeah, I'm literally not getting my tonsils out and I'm not changing anything about my voice. Like, I don't know, it's going to sound whatever. So I went into this whole panic and God kind of confronted me in that moment or used that moment to say like, what if, what if you can never sing again? Is that what your identity is in? Is that what your hope is in? Because if it is like, you're missing it, you're missing me. And so he reminded me, like, I gave you this gift. This gift is not your own. Everything that you have in your life is a gift. And it could be part of an integral part of what you do, but that's not who you are. And I read this book called How to Worship a King, which is an amazing book. Zach Freeman, love you, Zach. Um, He recommended it to me. And after reading that book, it's just so big on like what you do is not who you are and your identity is being a child of God and that we're not, our worth is not in how good we do anything, how much we accomplish in this life, how many people know our names. Mm -hmm. It's not in any of that. And Jesus is a perfect picture of that because his whole life was in obscurity. He never drew attention to himself. Mm -hmm. He always, he never bragged about what he did. He was the most humble servant ever. Mm -hmm. It's like, what a beautiful model to follow, but our culture is so counter that it's, yeah, 
make your name great, make yourself great. You'll find fulfillment and more money. You'll find fulfillment and being more beautiful and girls and losing weight and dieting, whatever it is, insert anything. And it's like, that's where you're going to be happy and find fulfillment. And the message of Jesus is so opposite. It's like serve people and you'll find fulfillment. Forget yeah. about yourself. You'll find fulfillment. Yeah. Like yeah, literally put others before yourself. And that literally is the truth. Like when you start doing those things, you will find freedom. And that's how I've been able to have, I've dealt with anxiety and depression for a long time in my life. And now I feel like I am, I've overcome so much and it's not because of all the work I've done within myself. It's because literally I've been able to prefer others in spite of my pain and what I'm going through. And my pain has actually been able to help me see other people more compassionately and more empathetically. And in serving other people, that's where I've really found new life. Yeah. And, and, and seeing value in myself. It's like this weird paradox thing, but yeah, yeah, that is so good. And I, I could totally relate on so many things that you said. And I think sometimes we can all get caught up in like, if I had this, I'd be more happier. If I was in that relationship, if I had that job, if I, insert what you would like. Right. And, you know, I think we could both say that we've gone through experiences where maybe we got that, or we had that, or we were, and then at the end of the day, we still weren't satisfied. We still weren't content. And, you know, um, depression, anxiety, there's, it's not a black and white thing. It's so much, there's so much gray area in that. Right. But one of the things is like, you know, when you're depressed is you're really only thinking about yourself, you know, and like, I remember at least I'm speaking for myself, right. I was so self-absorbed. I was so, because it was so all about me that made it 10 times worse. You know, I look yeah. back now, I'm like, man, if I, if I just had, you know, switched my perspective, but again, I, I needed to go to counseling because I was just mentally, out of it. Yeah. mentally, I was just stuck. Like I was like, if someone doesn't come to help me rewire my brain, I'm going to stay stuck in this like parking spot that I'm in that I don't want to stay stuck in. And so I think coming out of that, I could easily see when my friends are going through situations or, or people that I love and care about so much. And I see them that they're going through it. You know, there's so much to dig deep, but a lot of it, it, it's because you only see yourself and not what everything else is going on in the world. Or you think everything is attacking you and everyone, everything's pointing at you. Cause that's how I felt. I was like, everyone's pointing their finger at me. Everyone's watching my every move. Everyone's like, and then it's like, no, actually everyone's doing their own life. And everyone's doing their own thing. And people are probably thinking the same thing about themselves too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I think one of the things that when last week you told me that we're, we're thinking of doing this podcast and stuff, which is so awesome. (laughs) Um, But uh, when you were telling me about it, I was like, man, what are like some of the biggest things that I feel like God has broken um, when it comes to my mindset was broken off my mind. And the biggest thing was shifting from a victim mentality, Mm -hmm. mindset of like, Mm -hmm. wow, everyone's out to get me. Everyone's doing this to hurt me and taking things personally and being offended. And what's brought me a lot of strength and comfort and courage is just knowing that whatever we go through in this life, Jesus has already overcome it. And so we're not victims with him. We're overcomers. And I wrote that down. I was like looking up here as you were talking because mm-hmm. I wrote this somewhere. I can't find it. I have so many sticky notes. I don't know if you do this. But it's like, 
it's helped me so much in my life on my desk. I have like a bunch of like encouraging things or whatever, but anyway, point is I wrote in one of them, um, you're not a victim, you're an overcomer. Mm -hmm. And I think if we really look at life in the lens of like, whatever happens to us, I know that I'm going to get through it. I know that I'm going to overcome it. Jesus already did. And so through his name, there's power to do anything, anything. We don't have to fear anything. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear sickness. Mm-hmm. We don't have to fear the worst possible outcome, which mm-hmm. for a lot of people would be death because nobody yeah. wants to die, obviously, you know, like yeah. trying to survive here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to survive another day. Let's go. <laughs> Literally, like with COVID, it was the fear is rampant. We saw it. I mean, yeah. of course, like we're, we're created to survive for survival. Nobody wants to die. Anyway, but even death itself, <laughs> like Jesus already conquered it all. So really, what do we have to fear mm-hmm. like every day? Or what do we have to be so offended about? Like, mm. and what people's behavior, a lot of it, it's more about themselves. And it's not really about you. A lot of the time, how people react to things, how they're triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you said something that triggered a person a certain way. And so it made them really uh, offended and, and it put them in this place of hurt and you apologize for that, whatever, but it's always mendable. Like, yeah. What I'm trying to say is like, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to shrink back from. There's nothing to be intimidated by. There's nothing to feel like a victim about a lot of people's behaviors are mostly about themselves. And it's not Mm -hmm. really directed towards trying to hurt you or like offend you or anything like that. And so that has helped me more than anything in my life. It's like, the other day, this happened to me. Somebody said something and I was like, oh, what's their problem? Like, why they <laughs> I, did, I just walked into the room and it was just like, oh, you're here. Like a comment similar to that. And I was like, yeah, I'm here. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I'm offended because I felt like just my presence upset this person. Mm-hmm. But then I said, what have they gone through today? Mm-hmm. Like, how did they wake up today? I remember the days that I woke up in my lowest moments when I was really depressed or really anxious, like even seeing a person was like, I didn't want to see anyone, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that I'm sure projected on all the people around me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what I was saying is like a lot of people's behaviors is like things that are happening in them and they're trying to sort through things, just like we're trying to sort through things. And so I think compassion is just always like a good route to take towards people that may offend you. Oh, absolutely. I feel like that's one of the, if I learned, which I learned many things I also in college, but one of the biggest things that they just like preach and teach to you is how to be undefendable. And they're like, y'all, if you can, if you get offended over every little thing, you won't make it in ministry. You just won't. They're like, you're going to be offended within the next two minutes of this conversation. You know what I'm saying? And it's like so crazy because it's like, you know, in school, they don't teach you how to become undefendable or like to not be so easily offended, but it's, Honestly, I feel like kind of like a superpower. Like, I mean, when you see someone walks in the room that has every reason to be offended and they're still standing strong and and not in a cocky way, but like in a confident way of like, okay. And you're like, or someone can be watching them like, dang, like, wow, that person's like rock solid. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's one thing that Jesus definitely taught was he was, it was like impossible to offend Jesus. You know what I'm saying? All the things that were said to him, all the things that were done to him. And he never once was like, playing the victim. Even while he was dying on a cross, he wasn't even then playing a victim, but praying for the people saying, father, forgive them for they do not even know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a conversation I had with a friend the other night 
And it was crazy. Cause it's like, you know, we were talking about those people that God puts in your life and, and you think it's like, Oh Lord, you're putting them in my life. So, so I can bless them, but really God's using them to change your character and your heart. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. 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 I feel like if you're in ministry, you definitely go through that or even not in your family and your, in your school group, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's going to be someone that like, you think, Oh Lord, they have so much to work on. God's like, actually, I'm using them to sharpen your character. I'm using them to sharpen your heart. I was like, ouch. All right. Holy spirit. I felt that conviction. Um, but it's crazy. Cause even then, you know, people killing Jesus in front of him in the moment. And he's looking at them with compassion because he knows they are lost sheep without a shepherd that they do not, they literally do not know what they're doing. They don't understand what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, and of course we've heard it over and over and over again, but when you really think about the context of that, you really think we put ourselves in that situation. You're literally dying. Someone's killing you. You think we're gonna have compassion. It's like, that's actually so unnatural to think about. That is so against our flesh. That is so against everything, right? And so when you can see the epitome example of having compassion for people who are hurting you, like love your enemies, like literally the word says love your enemies. And, And I think it's being able to understand those things. And obviously, I mean, take everything we're saying with, with context, right? I'm not saying let someone manipulate you or take advantage or of you or, or anything like that. Yeah. 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 Of course, everything with context, but it's like, you know, an example of what you just said of you're walking in a room and someone makes a, a little comment and you're like, Ooh, oh, okay. I felt that. And you're like, you have a choice. You could choose to be offended or you could choose to be like, you know what? I wonder what they went through today because usually that person doesn't respond like that. So they must really have a hard day. And I'm actually going to love on them a little extra more because they may need that, you know, and your act of compassion to them might be so eye-opening where they might even open up to you about, Hey, Brittany, I'm actually sorry that I made that snobby comment. You know what? Um, this actually happened earlier and I want to tell you about it because, and then I've had conversations like that where people kind of were rubbing me the wrong way. And I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to love on them no matter what. And then later that night or that day, or even weeks later, they'll come up to me apologizing for acting the way they did because I responded with grace. I responded with compassion. And I think that is such a superpower that if people really learned to just take in, I mean, we go to work, we go to school, we go to all these different places and people are carrying so much baggage. Right. And we both, we grew up Catholic. So we understand like living a life without Jesus. And I mean like a relationship versus religion, right? We used to check the mark on a Sunday versus now it's like, okay, here's a relationship. And I can't even think about doing life without having a personal relationship with Jesus. Cause I did it, but I was like getting by, I was getting through. I I was afraid of death. I was petrified of death. I was terrified. I was like, I don't want to die. Cause I didn't know what there was to come. I didn't have faith that there was a heaven. I was like, there may be, there may not. I don't know. What's this life about? What's the point? YOLO. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, when, when you get to that point of, of just, going back to the whole thing where you said of compassion and love, man, it just changes your life and it changes who you are as a person. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I think because of that, and honestly, it's something that it's something that I learned 
through Jesus and like through the Bible, but it was really modeled so beautifully at my church. Mm-hmm. Um, and learning from people, I mean, pastors Rich and Don Cherie are like such excellent leaders and people that are so humble mm-hmm. um, and just love people so well, make people feel so special. And when I saw that, because growing up, and I grew up in Miami, like, well, Broward, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was like cool to be rude. Like it was yeah. cool to be like rude to your parents. It was cool to like have an attitude to like disrespect the teachers, at least in my school. Like the people that did this, like, you're so cool, you know? So that was kind of me. That was just like, oh, I didn't care. Like I could care less about school, like whatever, forget all these people. And they're going to see you anyway. Like no friends, no new friends. No new friends. <laughs> Some old, maybe two old friends, but definitely no new friends. Okay. <laughs> and that was kind of my attitude in life. Like, don't want to be bothered. And it's funny because people have kind of told me this when I first started going to VU. They were like, I did not want to talk to you because my attitude was still this way. So anyway, I guess through, um, through church. You're a changed woman. You're a changed woman. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, am I changed? Like my friends that used to know me and they see how involved I am, like with church and I post about God, they were shocked. My parents, wow. my parents didn't even believe me. My parents were like in the biggest shock. Like, they're like, are you really going to church? Like, why are you spending so much time at church? And like, yeah, <laughs> my parents had the same reaction. Yeah. And like my attitude just changed a lot. I mean, I wish I could like call them and be like, <laughs> and be like, remember when I was younger, <laughs> like middle school, because I was terrible. Like, <laughs> I just didn't care. Talk about caring about yourself. That's all I cared about. Nah, I don't feel like going to school today. Yeah. What do you mean? You don't feel like, <laughs> going, like, get in the car. You're going to school. And I was like, yeah, I'm sick. <laughs> like, bad attitude. Okay. Oh and my, funny, my my mom's always like, oh, when you have kids, you're going to see, you're going to see. But I repeat that. Okay? In Jesus' name, rebuke it right now. <laughs> I repent it from my past but anyway so yeah that whole attitude of just like indifference not caring about people really what was kind of like fed to me through culture and like through my school and through my friends it's cool to disrespect people it's cool to have a bad attitude it's cool to not care it's cool to treat people as like disposable even guys like oh if I'll forget about him tomorrow like who Mm -hmm. cares about him and I was like that's so counter what I believe now and everything I can really say that is through being in a great community and through learning about Jesus and through church and everything, I was like, that's not cool. Like, it's not cool to disrespect your parents. Like, mm. I think the biggest exercise and practice that I've done is to put myself in the other person's shoes mm. mm-hmm. and to really take a moment to do that. Like when I'm responding a certain way, or <clears throat> when I get like a response, I don't like from someone like kind of what I shared earlier mm-hmm. with my parents, it's like, they've had a completely different life than me. My parents yeah. did the best that they could to raise me. Mm-hmm. They weren't perfect. They didn't have a manual. They didn't have a guide. They did their best. And so I'm going to honor them because they did their best. And throughout the way, there's been pain, there's been hardships, different things. But now I have the perspective of like, my parents just really love me. They really care about me. And so that's why they did everything that they did. It was out of protection and love. They never tried to hurt me throughout their my life. And so if you view everyone in that lens, your life gets a lot more peaceful. It's like you get out of that victim mentality. 
and you understand, wow, I go through the same things as a parent. I'm going to go through the same things as a mom. I'm not going to do everything perfect. I hope my kids have grace and compassion for me when I'm trying my best, you know, and the people around me and my coworkers and everything. And so it's like the golden rule that you learn in kindergarten, treat others the way you want to be treated. Really is the key, key to life. Literally, what what a concept, what a concept that we learned. But it's yeah. true, you know, I think sometimes that um, I love that you just said that treat people how you want to be treated because sometimes I, I hear people um, complain, man, I wish they were just like that. I wish they would treat me like this. And I'm like, well, how are you treating them? Maybe they're being a reflection of how you're treating them. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. I've had those conversations with people. I'm like, you want this person to treat you that way, or you want your relationship to be this way, but you're not responding in love. You're not, you're responding in sarcasm and that's right. not really loving. I mean, there's time for jokes, but all the time, you know what I'm saying? And so I think that's just so key. It's like, you know, go back to, to the kindergarten golden rule. Yeah. yeah that's how you want to be treated. And I had this nice little lesson in humility. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think you really have to be careful once you do start following Jesus and once you're in church, because you yeah. can get this mentality of like, well, I have the answers. I'm going to save people. I'm going to like, mm-hmm. kind of like on this high horse of like, yeah, yeah, even morality. And you're like, you can pat yourself on the back, like, and then you're called a leader and all this stuff. And God really does a really nice job of humbling us. <laughs> oh, he sure does, sister. He sure does. Yeah. When we don't pray for it ourselves, he just does it. And yeah. thank God, because there's many times I need to be humbled. But in, <laughs> I noticed in my past relationships, I, I would get out of the relationship and be like, well, this person X, Y, Z, they didn't do this. And so that's why, like, that's why it didn't work out because of them, 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 them. And I would play the blame game. And then recently God was like, what about you? Mm-hmm. Like, what about your responsibility in this? Like you have all these high, unrealistic, perfectionistic expectations of other people, but how did you treat that person? Mm-hmm. How did you speak to them? You want to be spoken to in a, in a certain tone, but like, you're not even doing that. Mm-hmm. So it was like this huge mirror that I felt like was put up to me. And I'm like, oh, wow, God, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry that I've deflected the blame off of myself Mm -hmm. in this. And now I want to take responsibility. And like, I'm sorry that I treated this person this way. And, and, you know, we all have fallen in different things, especially relationships. Relationships are never one-sided. Two people are always involved. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's with your parents or anyone, marriage, anything that relationship you have, friendship, when you have some kind of disagreement for conflict and things get ugly. Normally, again, this is not like about abuse because we talked about that, like excluding that stuff. Yeah. Normally it's two people that are kind of going at it and we want to be like, it's them, it's them, it's them. It's like, what about, what about me? Yeah. What about I'm speaking, you know, that is so good. I love that you brought that up. That's actually, I was talking about that. Was it yesterday or two days ago? with another friend and we're talking about relationships and how it's so easy, how people, um, always blame the person. Oh, well I broke up with them because of this, or they broke up with me, but it was really their problem. And, you know, I, I humbly look back at broke up with me, but it was their problem. (laughs) (laughs) They couldn't handle me. You know, people, they can handle all it is, but it's, 
really funny we're talking about it because I was like, you know, I think Brittany, exactly what you said is like the Lord has really humbled me through relationships, right? And has shown me like, I think honestly, relationships has been one of the biggest um like set like growth tools for me. Because yeah. you don't know how many blind spots you have until you let another person in your life like that. And then you start to see stuff that honestly isn't so pretty. You start to see, oh, I actually maybe have a little temper issue when things aren't on time or when miscommunication or little comments that are stark, whatever the case is, I can look back now in hindsight. And the Lord did the same thing of like, yeah, but what about you? Like, you know, and, and not in a condemning way, but in a convicting way of a like, no, 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 it takes two to tango. Yeah. That person has their stuff, but guess what, baby, you have your stuff too, right? Let's not, uh-huh. And I think it was Stephen Furtick who said, remember, anytime you point the finger, you always have three pointing right back at you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, always know when you're blaming someone, when you're pointing the finger, guess what? Three more pointing right back at you. And I've used relationships, even friendships, any kind of relationship to see, man, what area can I grow in? And I think I've done one, some of the biggest work of areas of growth by going over, you know, what, what went wrong? Okay. This, this, oh, okay. Yeah. That, and, and reflecting on it, I think one of the worst things someone can do is coming out of a relationship, didn't work out, not even think about why it didn't work out and go jump into a new one that doesn't work out. And it's just constant. And the person's so confused why am I always heartbroken? Or why does the guys that I always go to, it's always the same type of guy and the same type of thing. And it's like, well, behaviors and patterns, that's a real thing, you know? And if you don't take time to sit down and analyze that stuff, you're going to make the same kind of choices by the behaviors that you do. And those are going to have the same patterns in your life, you know? And so I think that is so big. And I think it's beautiful that you could be so open and honest about like, Hey, yeah, I wasn't perfect in my relationships, you know, no one's perfect in their relationships, but let's use that as a growth tool and let's use that. Hey, Lord, if you want to humble me through this, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take, I'm not going to fight it. You're right. I do need the humbling. My ego was not my amigo. And let me, let me learn from this, you know? And I think that's awesome that you can look back and take that and own that. And guess what? that's going to serve as an amazing tool for your future relationship, right? Friendships to come. For sure. And I think a lot of what you were talking about of, oh, this, a person may jump into different relationships or um, maybe choosing the wrong kind of people and then saying, why am I always in this position? Well, I think a lot of what we really, really believe about ourselves and about other people is kind of hidden to us. And so it comes out in our behavior and our actions. And so when we behave or do certain thing, like let's use the example of choosing a certain kind of people, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like unconscious. It's kind of like blended or molded into our minds and Mm -hmm. just, we make certain decisions and then we're in them. And then we see the consequence and we're like, how did I get here? Yeah. We didn't realize what was really behind that. And so I was talking about before of introspection and digging deep into yourself. And that's not always the answer, but I think sometimes when you catch yourself in certain cycles or behaviors that you're not liking, you have to ask yourself, like, why am I choosing this? 
um, and take responsibility mm-hmm. too for like the choices that you're making and say like, why am I here again? Um, and that's something that's been really helpful for me because I found myself with the same different relationships, same issue. And I was like, well, common denominator, here's me. <laughs> so yeah. why am I making these choices? Like, am I choosing people that I know it's not really going to work out? Mm-hmm. Why am I doing that? What do I believe about myself? Do I believe that I'm deserving of love, of a good relationship? Do I believe that I'm deserving? So all these like things come into mind and sometimes we like unknowingly sabotage ourselves or a lot of fear drives our behavior. Mm -hmm. And it's not until we hit this moment where everything literally like God makes us stop and say, okay, what am I doing? Like, this isn't working. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the same place. Why is this? And so we have to take a good inventory of like what we really believe, like what I really believe about myself. What do I believe about men? Cause, Oh, just made my my (laughs) girl. You're making the pod shake. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what do I believe about men? Cause, um, you know, daddy issues is real. It's real. So what do I believe about men, about relationships, about marriage, I just realized I had a fear to get married. I didn't even know this about myself, but throughout my patterns in my relationships and decisions that I've made. And even now, like, com- this is talking to my mom. I like learned this about myself Wow. and she asked me a question and I was like, I don't know why I do this. Why do I do this? Mm-hmm. So I literally, I prayed about, I was like, God, what, what is this? Like what? And sometimes we have to pray that prayer of like, God, help me understand what's what I'm doing. Cause I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminds me of the Psalm that says, search my heart, um, that David prays. And like, sometimes we have to pray that because we don't know why we're doing what we're doing. And so I prayed that and I, I instantly just like, this is fear. This is fear driven. I'm scared to actually be in a successful relationship that will actually lead to marriage. Okay. Well, why am I fearing marriage? You know? So you open this whole thing of things you have to work through and you have to pray about and ask for healing about sometimes if you never find the root core fear belief or condemning belief or like self-loathing or like I'm not worthy of this if you never find those things and like pray for healing about it or maybe even go to a counselor because sometimes there's a lot of other beliefs that are fueling that and we need to get to all of them and sort it out and you need help with that sometimes sometimes you're so like you were saying you needed someone to help dig you out of that mental state you were in Sometimes we're so far in our beliefs that we don't know how to get out. We don't see a way out. And they're so rooted in us that it's like almost a part of us. So we need somebody mm-hmm. to say, hey, this is a lie here. Yeah. Like, this was never, you were never supposed to believe this. Like, this is not true about yourself because mm-hmm. we're so, we accepted the lie as truth. So we need somebody else to like pull it out for us. Um, and so I think that too is like analyzing, like, what do you really believe about yourself, about life about opportunities do you believe you're deserving of good opportunities mm-hmm. um what yeah. fears in your life like what's stifling you or holding you back or not letting you live in full freedom mm. wow girl we could <laughs> we could do a whole season <laughs> on what we're talking about I'm like man this is getting deep this is <laughs> so good. wow that was I mean Brittany thank you for sharing that because I think um people can go almost their entire lives feeling what you're feeling 
but they didn't take the time or pray the bold prayers. Like Lord search my heart. And like, let me just say people, when you pray with a genuine heart, like the Lord will move, he will move and he will reveal. And I've like, again, things where I just didn't understand. I was like, God, show me why, like, why, why do I do this? Why do I feel like this? Why do I think like this? And God will literally show you. He will show you, he will, you'll read in the word. It'll make sense. He'll have someone say something that just connects the dot. Like he will move, you know? And I love the verse, um, you know, as we draw close to God, he draws close to us. And it's so true. You know, you could have, um, gone out of a relationship and just like, okay, oh, well, well, it's always them. It's not me. And then continued in the same pattern. And like, you're 50 and you're like, what the heck is going on here? But like, no girl, you do your thing. You are doing the work. You are getting the work done. And you know what? That's awesome. Because I feel like you can be a, a testimony to people even older than you that you could see maybe family members, right? Aunts or um, people that, you know, family friends were older and like, you're like, oh my gosh, I see my old self in them. Like they, yeah. they don't get it. They don't, they don't know. And it's not their fault that they don't know, but in order to change, you, you need to want to change and you need to do something about it. You know, I think also it's, it's not getting stuck in a, God is a genie and he's going to answer any of our prayers and all of our prayers. Uh, no, <laughs> sometimes God's answer is no. And Literally. Are we pray something and he answers it in a way that we didn't want him to answer, but it's always the best way. It's always the best way. Even if we don't get it, even if we don't understand it, hindsight, I can look back and like at the moment, I didn't want the Lord to answer that prayer like that, but thank God he did because he knows. Right. And so I just, I love that Brittany. And I want to encourage any of the listeners hearing this. Maybe you guys are listening and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. Like, I in relationship to relationship. I don't know why it's always ending the same way. And it's kind of like maybe the dots are connecting. And I want to say, you know, encourage anybody that feels that way to, to dig deeper, right? This could be a seed planted in your heart and you take that seed and you water and you pray to God, like God show me, right? Because maybe what you're feeling and dealing with isn't the same thing that Brittany was feeling and dealing with, right? We're all different. But sure. I think that's so good. And, and I'm so glad that you shared that because that's a real thing. And let me tell you, I've prayed that a lot within the last few months and years and the Lord has shown up in, in ways and, and changed my heart. And now I can have healthier relationships and healthier friendships because I'm no longer doing those same patterns and right. the same thought process and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. A lot of, um, Shutting is a different word from destructive, but maybe not helpful. Maybe Mm. a lot of unhelpful behavior. Destructive is kind of like, like, (laughs) yeah, you get the gist of what I'm trying to say. A lot of stuff is driven by fear or sometimes like we want something, but we're doing the opposite. Mm -hmm. Like this goes even as shallow, which not, not really shallow, but whatever. So as shallow as like, Oh, I want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. They set that goal, but then every day you're eating cake. Why? Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> why are you doing that? Like, yeah. How does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But we do this a lot in our lives. We do this a lot. We say, I want this, but we do the opposite of what we really want. Why? And that reason can look different for everyone. Um, some people fear success. Like my fear with marriage. Um, some people fear failure. Some people are, it's perfectionism. Um, maybe it is depression, anxiety, 
something, something's going on. And I think anytime we have some sort of signal to us that something's not right, we should immediately look into it. Don't bandaid it. Don't like, don't use any, don't use alcohol or drugs or even people relationships to escape mm-hmm. what you're going through, like face it. And that takes a lot of courage sometimes to face really painful things that have happened to us or things that we're feeling. Um, but I would say like the minute you notice you're feeling off, you're, you're noticing something about yourself, whatever, like immediately go into that and attack it. Because what happens is when you escape it, you're trying to escape it festers Mm -hmm. and it grows and it grows and it grows. And then it ends up controlling you in a certain part of your life. You can have one small fear here, but you don't address it and acknowledge it. And then it goes to all these other areas. Mm. And then before you know it, that fear is like driving your life and your behavior. And then you're like, I'm going out every night. I'm with different guys every night or girls. If you're a guy, I'm doing all this stuff. It's like, why am I doing this? Oh, because two weeks ago, I got this rejection from this. I still feel that pain, that hurt. I never processed it. I never acknowledged it. I didn't deal with it. I just put band-aids over it with all these different things. And in Miami, you want to look for band-aids? They're on the street. Okay. Shops are here. The clubs over there. You can do whatever. Okay. Yeah. But guess what? After you're done doing whatever it is, you're putting all your band-aids on relations with people, whatever it is, you go, Oh, I'm still, I'm even more broken. Mm -hmm. That didn't help that. What am I doing? And so Anyway, I don't even know how I started talking about that. Oh, this is good. I love it. I love it. This is great. Face your fears. Face your issues. You've got this. And invite God into them. Amen. Yes. Invite the Lord. He will show (laughs) up. He will show up. My girl. Oh, my gosh. We, I mean, yeah, we're going to have to get you back on here because this is going (laughs) to, like, we could go in deep about so much. I know. But I want to ask you, um the the final question of the pod and that is if you knew then what you know now what would you tell your younger self okay so i would tell my younger self it's actually speaking of hill song earlier it's a hill song lyric okay let's go and i think it's from not afraid okay i don't know the exact name of the song so i'm so sorry about that hill song okay <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who from Hillsong is going to see this, but maybe you can like cough it and like say the name. I forgot. But it's, it's that fear is just a liar running out of breath. Mm. And I really wish I would have told my younger self that because I think a lot of things paralyzed me. Um, I was, I was paralyzed by fear a lot, even speaking. Oh, let me, let me say this really quick. I know this is the last question, but since let's go, let's fear, go. Um, I had a, I can't tell you the fear I had in speaking. Mm-hmm. It was like crippling. Like I remember I went to college and we had, they told us to do like, um, and for those of you that don't know, it's like a, a ministry college. And so they had us like do two minutes of fire, which is like this, uh, rap, I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like a mini two minute sermon. Okay. Uh-huh. So I got picked for that. And I just said straight up, no, like <laughs> I'm not doing that. And so a lot of people, this makes no sense. Cause they're like, oh, but you sing, like, this doesn't make any sense that you can't speak. I was like, they're so different and not even related. Okay. So I literally straight up was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then he was like, no, you're going to do it. So I left. 
But then the day after, it said, okay, go up. I was shaking, like sweating, okay? Another time I got asked to do an encouragement, I, I almost cried. I, I about cried, okay? <laughs> then this really nails it, okay? I, and people that go to church are going to be laughing. <laughs> nobody knows this. Like, nobody knows that I've gone through this, okay? So they asked me to give, like, an encouragement for, like, five minutes to, like, the worship team and, like, a rehearsal or something, I got hives for two weeks, straight up hives. I had to get, I have the itching cream still. <laughs> Just in case I get asked again, I freaked out. So when I tell you, and like every day I'd pray, God, take this fear away. Like, I feel like I can't speak. Like I'm so anxious about this. Mm. And then I got a word from God um, saying, you will speak. You speak for me. You'll speak for my name. And sometimes it's behind the biggest fear. That's what God is calling us to do. And so everything that I was saying about facing your fear and fear of just being a liar, it really just is. Fear just tries to stifle you Mm -hmm. and try to keep you paralyzed and in this place of just feeling like you're not enough or you can't do certain things and all that stuff, they're just lies. So you could do it, whatever you're fearful of. I promise once you do it and you're on the other side, you're gonna be like, why was I ever scared of that? Which is how I feel about speaking now. I'm like, it makes no sense, but it was so grippling, like, or grippling. I don't think it's the word gripping at the time. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I would end with that. Oh, that was so good. I love that. I'm, I was just imagining the whole thing happening. I was like, wow, like that was a whole movie in my head right now. I was like, girl, I broke out of hives two months ago. Give me that cream. Let's go. <laughs> really sweat all the above. It's a real thing. I was like, wow, hives. It's real. Oh, we out here. Let's go. Like the second biggest fear, it's like death is number one. And I think the second one is public Public speaking. speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So I for sure fell under that for a long time. That's crazy, but that's wild. And it's so crazy that you say that. I would have never thought that was a fear of yours because again, you worship lead and it's no small church. So you out there and it's in front of a lot of people. I would have never thought speaking in front of 10 or 15 would have been scary. Like that's wow. But it just goes to show like you don't know um, really someone like what they feel or what they think, but it's in those moments of when you face your fear, like literally facing your fear. And then God's like, boom, I'm going to speak to you in this. I'm going to speak to you through this. Maybe you wouldn't have heard that word had you not faced it. And that still would have been a fear controlling your life. Right. But now that like God met you where you were at, literally now they ask you to give a word of encouragement. You're like, bet, let's go. You know, all right, let's do this thing. Like I'm with God. God is with me. You know, I love that. That is so awesome. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, and something else that I heard, I think Judah Smith said this, if you're ever speaking, if you ever have like a fear of speaking, which is weird because I feel like a lot of people in ministry don't have this fear. Like I told people about this, it started opening up. They're like, really can't relate. I'm like, <laughs> great. Just Thanks me for out. the support. Thanks for the emotional support. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's like Judah Smith or something, or Chad Beach, one of them. They were like, I literally have the best job in the world. I'm up here bragging about God. Mm. Like, I don't even have to talk about myself. I don't have to say, I'm just bragging about God and who he is. And that stuck with me for forever. And so even before coming on this podcast, I'm like, everything in my life, I owe it to God. And so it's so easy to talk about God. It's so easy to talk about what he's done in my life and how thankful I am. So yeah, I think that was really awesome too. 
That is so good. I'm literally going to put that on my wall right now. (laughs) I love that. That is so good. And I feel like I was having conversation with my dad this morning about it of, of, you know, when you don't make it about yourself, the pressure just comes off, you know, like it's not about your name. It's not about how great you are. It's about how great God is and his name. And, and I love that. Yeah. We could talk all day about how good God is. We could talk how great he is. Cause there's so much, and we could spend our whole lifetime talking about it. And guess what? We still didn't cover half of it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. crazy. I love that you share that. So, so good. My girl, it was a pleasure of having this conversation and chatting and laughing and talking about real stuff, you know, just you being open of um, things that you struggled with and you dealt with and, and how you found your way through that. You know, thank you for sharing your story and like how you ended up studying psychology and how the Lord met you where you were at and your background growing up and, and even the in-between spaces since then, um, how he shaped you and molded you and, and continue to grow you to who you are. And like, girl, let me just say, he just getting started. <laughs> he is just getting started. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much. Honestly, like you're just such a joy and I'm so happy that we got to do this. It was so much fun. No, this is awesome. I love it. And girl, I look so forward. I tell you all the time when I'm in Miami, I'm gonna let you know. We'll get some yes. cafecito. We'll go for a jog by the water. Yes, you'll have one cafecito this time. <laughs> You've got not Never again. That was we'll have lot. one and it'll fuel you like for the run. Absolutely. Let's go. One for the run. One for the run. <laughs> That's our hashtag. <laughs> one for the run. <laughs> I love it. Well, girl, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate your words and I look forward to seeing you soon. Yes, I love you so much. Have a great day. Love you, girl. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave a rate and review as it makes a huge difference. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family and don't forget to follow at One Thing in Common Podcast on Instagram and tag us with any insights you got from the episode. I am so grateful for each and every one of you and I hope you have the best week. Much love.